0: This is the Western Sydney Health Check with Harrison and Sia.
1: Hello and thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, This week across New South Wales we are celebrating Youth Week and to mark the occasion we spoke to a few young people that attend our district's youth services. We asked them what does the meaning behind this year's theme Together More Than Ever mean to them? Let's hear now what one of them had to say.
0: The Youth Week theme, Together More Than Ever, makes me think about how we need to challenge the negativity and be more inclusive and accepting of each other more.
1: Make sure you stick around for more of that. And also coming up later, we speak to Western Sydney Youth Council member Jessica Lamb about social media and mental health. But first, joining me now is clinical psychologist Carly Dodds. Carly works for the Prevention Early Intervention Recovery Service, also known as PEERS, within the Cumberland area. Now, this service is part of Western Sydney's perinatal youth and child mental health services, which means they work directly with young people experiencing mental health challenges. Carly, it's a privilege to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Now, for those who aren't familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about what PEERS does?
2: So we're an area-based service and um, mental health service who work with young people aged 12 to 25 who are experiencing what we sort of say moderate to severe end of mental health difficulties. So we're a multidisciplinary team. So we have psychiatrists, psychologists like myself, occupational therapists, social workers, nurses, and we work together as a team to help the young person as well as their families going through some pretty significant difficulties that they might be experiencing at the moment.
1: When you say moderate to severe, what kind of issues are we talking about there? Yeah, it can
2: be kind of complicated to understand what what is moderate to severe in this kind of realm, but I guess we're talking about the quite severe end of anxiety and depression. We know that one in four young people do experience some mental health difficulties throughout their time. And so we can't kind of cater for everybody. Mm. But we are talking about that people that it's really impacting on their functioning and their relationships and things like that. We see a lot of clients with bipolar disorder and psychosis. So that end of the spectrum as well.
1: So one in four will experience some kind of anxiety or depression. How common is it to be more at the severe end where it's really impacting your day-to-day functioning?
2: I think, unfortunately, that's becoming more common Mm. to have that. So I don't have a statistic around um, how likely it is to become in that side of things. But I guess that's as well where the early intervention side of our service comes in, that we do want to intervene in a timely manner so that people don't get to that high level of distress where they're experiencing suicidal ideation and things like that. So we do try and catch things quite early and, and put supports in place.
1: So for Western Sydney in particular, this is your area, what are the, some of the particular concerns for young people, mental health concerns?
2: I think it's really important to remember that adolescence is a really complicated time and that this is a time where young people are moving a little bit away from families and, and relying more on peers as their social context. So really common things around school stresses and working out what might be coming next for them in terms of employment, things like that, relationship difficulties, difficulties with body image Sexuality issues; those sorts of things are really common in adolescence throughout across the board. And so, I guess for people who don't have family supports or feel quite isolated in the community, that can lead to more significant mental health issues like anxiety and depression mm. and things like that. Um, and I guess it's important to recognise that in Western Sydney we have a very culturally diverse population. Yes. And so, understanding of mental health issues in the community can be quite varied, and there can be quite a lot of stigma. And so it is the case that for some communities it's much harder to reach out for help.
1: So for your work then, do you find that the support that you provide for young people and their families really varies depending on their background and maybe how much knowledge the families have? It
2: definitely can and and it definitely, families can be a huge resource and unfortunately at other times that can be a challenge, get families on board to understand the difficulties that the young person might be facing. We do try to be culturally responsive and respectful of differences there, but um, I suspect it's something that we could probably do a lot better across the board in Mm -hmm. addressing different needs of different members of the community and and the expectations that they come along with.
1: So let's talk about COVID-19. We've heard a little bit about how the pandemic and the restrictions have affected people's mental health. What have you seen with young people here in Western Sydney? I
2: think, again, it's one of those things that can really vary. So um, certainly we've seen young people struggle with a reduction of their usual coping strategies or being able to access those things. So things like going out with friends, playing sport, going to the gym, the movies, things like that. I think having taken away those natural adolescent things that people do was a real struggle for a lot of young people. I think the of of not being able to go to school or different educational environments continues to be a problem and a lot of people have had a fairly significant disruption in terms of their schooling and there's a lot of anxiety about employment which is always a challenge for young people anyway but now facing an extra barrier there potentially in being able to access appropriate employment options. Stripping people away from relationships and connections and things like that definitely made an impact. I think though that young people are super resilient and creative and I think their capacity to be on various social media sites and connect with um, other young people their age in ways much more creative than people of my generation, <laughs> in many ways protected a lot of people from that deep sense of isolation and separation. Obviously, there's been massive challenges with COVID-19. I think there are some things that we can point to that are kind of innovative and interesting in how young people have been able to continue to connect with their communities.
1: That is interesting. I know a lot of older people would say that social media isn't real connection and that mm. Our phones are a barrier between us but have you found through your practice that that's not the case?
2: I think it can be, but I think definitely, you know, when you are physically separated from people, um, you do need to to find ways to be creative and going on different sites and watching movies together and chatting and things like that. I think it can be a a genuine form of connection for people and definitely decrease that isolation.
1: That's great. So maybe one tip for parents is um, (laughs) let your kids use social media. (laughs) Be cautious about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll talk more about that bit in a moment. I want to talk about your work, the impact as well. Was your role impacted by COVID-19 and did it change the way you had to do your practice too?
2: It definitely did. So we did have restrictions in terms of obviously how many people could be in a room at a certain time, how long we could see clients for, things like that. And we fairly had, rapidly had to adopt some telehealth practices, which for many of us, particularly me, was difficult to kind of pick up really quickly. The nature of our work, you know, it is an interpersonal relationship. And so without those, some of those body language cues or being able to see people in person as often, it, there was definitely difficulties. Some people in connecting on that platform, feeling the support that perhaps they usually would, there were definitely changes that we had to pretty rapidly adjust to.
1: We were talking a little bit before about parents and I imagine that there's going to be a lot of parents listening to this podcast who are worried about their teenagers, about their children and the challenges that they're facing. What would be your advice for people what should they do if they sense that someone they know is struggling having a hard time
2: yeah I think it's a a super important question I think what I find really interesting is that parents often understandably talk about wanting to protect their children and don't realize that also their children quite often are trying to protect them and so don't want to worry them so parents will often say things like oh I didn't know they didn't come to me and tell me these sorts of things and often what we find is that the young people are kind of I don't want to worry, mum." Got a lot to do, you know, that sort of stuff. So I think the most important thing to tell parents is to ask the question, you know, to say something like, I've noticed you haven't quite been yourself lately. Is that something you'd like to talk about together? Those kinds of things. I think, yeah, opening the dialogue in a way that feels safe for a young person. Mm -hmm. So obviously, not when their four other siblings are around or (laughs) anything like that is just really the most important. And to trust that they are a resource for the young person um, that parents often say, I don't think they'd want to talk to me about this stuff. But often young people are just waiting for an opportunity to actually be asked that question.
1: A lot of parents might find that conversation quite daunting, might think, oh, I don't know what to say. Mm. I can't relate to that generation is it just a case of being able to listen, or are there specific things that are helpful to say?
2: I think it's really important to try and remember, perhaps um, how that was for you in that time of your life. And often for parents, you know, things like a breakdown in a friendship group or some harassment on social media and things like that can feel sort of not as important. And to just remember that whatever that young person is responding to, it's important for them. So to try and see things from a particular perspective. And to be quite genuine about it and say things like, I I can see that that's really hard for you rather than oh, it'll be okay, don't worry about it, or I understand how you feel, or things like that. Um, adolescents can get quite turned off by that kind of language of, oh, it'll be fine, let's just move on. Sure. Um, so just being present and, I guess, trying to find the time to sit and really listen to what it is that your young person is struggling with.
1: So some people might think, oh, they just need a bit of encouragement, just mm-hmm. tell them, oh, it's not that bad, you won't think about this a year from now, whatever. But actually what they need in the moment is just someone to listen and to... Acknowledge that it is difficult what they're going through.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, getting that connection is is really important and just trying to genuinely see things from their perspective if possible. I'm
1: glad you mentioned social media again as well because we know that online bullying and harassment is a really serious issue for young people today. It's not all just friendships and video games. What advice do you have for parents about how young they should be letting their their children or teenagers on social media and maybe what sort of protections they they should have in place?
2: Yeah, look, I think that's a a really big question that I'm probably not quite the expert to answer. I think different families are, of course, going to have different thoughts around that for themselves. And I, I guess I really encourage families to talk those sorts of issues through mm. rather than rely on, oh, you're 15, so now you can have Facebook, to really try and see where their young person might be at in terms of understanding those risks and the maturity required to be on online forums. We know that young people often don't think about the consequences of of things. And so posting stuff, even when it's their own content, can really be a problem for them down the track. And so I think if you can start that conversation pretty early, it protects the young person from making, I guess, impulsive choices or going behind your back and things (laughs) like that. So better to be open about those kinds of things and for young people to see their parents as a resource if things get
1: sticky. So again, it's about having a, just an open discussion and I don't want to say a culture, but having a mm. relationship with your children where you can openly talk about different things and share your perspective, hear their perspective, that sort of thing?
2: I think so. And I think that fosters that, as you said, sort of culture of being open and having, yeah, that person be saying, hey, I'm chatting to this person online. Do you think that's okay or something like that? So I think secrets in families can blow up. So, mm-hmm. I think.
1: so hopefully if something does go wrong, you will be the person that they come to for help. We can hope. Now, say you've had the conversation with your friend or child and, you know, they've disclosed that they're really not doing well and that they need more help than you feel like you can give. What are some of the good resources that are available out there?
2: Yeah, so I think it's really important to remember that we do have lots of supports in the community. So we do have church groups and schools and and other places where there can be um, some support, extra supports put in place. So I think informal contacts are really important as well. But certainly if that's not enough and people really want some extra advice, going to your GP is always a good place to start and talking to them about what might be going on and the options that might be available locally. So for our team, um, we take referrals through the Mental Health Telephone Access Line. Um, line is open to anyone in New South Wales. So that might be that the GP supports you making the call, it might be a school counsellor, it could be the young person or a parent themselves. And so what they do would, would triage that referral and make some suggestions about where to seek some help. We might be one of those suggestions, but they might have some other ideas about more specialised services that could be helpful as well.
1: So that mental health telephone access line is a great one. That's 1-800-011-511 and we'll make sure to include that in the show notes as well. How about online resources? There are good things out there online for people to access too.
2: So organisations like Beyond Blue and Black Dog and Reach Out have really great online resources for young people to look up different topics. There are different groups in there to chat with other young people who might be experiencing similar issues, which is obviously super important for people who genuinely feel quite alone. So I think going to the right sources, you can get some really excellent information about um, some coping strategies and advice from other young people. So it's not just coming from professionals or other adults in your life about what might be helpful for you at this point in time.
1: That's great. And I imagine that a concern that a lot of young people have is that it feels never ending. They fear that they're always going to feel this way, or they're always going to have these struggles. Are there any success stories you can share of people who've really benefited from reaching out and seeking support?
2: Yeah, so many came to mind when I got that question that I was sort of blown away by remembering different people that had come through our service and had successfully moved on. So I actually reached out to a young girl that I worked with a bit over a year ago and she had really lengthy contact with mental health services. So she left our service when she was 19. She came in when she was about 15 after some lengthy hospital admissions at the kids hospital for suicidal thoughts and and behaviour. So really long history of anxiety and depression and body image issues and some substance use, things like that. And super, super bright girl, but left school in year 10 and didn't do very much really for a couple of years. Towards the end of her time with us, we encouraged her to enrol in a TAFE course, which she did. And when I called her to check whether it was okay to mention this story, she was actually at university. So she enrolled as a mature age student in university and was very stable in a really caring relationship and doing really, really well. So that was really exciting to hear how well she'd been
1: doing for such a long time
2: after many years of really struggling really significantly.
1: That is amazing to hear. And that's a, a testament to the great work that you do. And also, I imagine a lot of other people who supported her along the way as well.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Thank you for sharing that. It's really great to hear what keeps you going and the wonderful stories that you get to witness as part of your work. Just, we're about out of time, but as we finish up, do you have any final tips or final encouragement for people listening, particularly for, for parents of young people who, who might be struggling right now?
2: I think it's really important for parents to remember as I mentioned at the beginning, to not be scared of asking the question, to really be able to sit and listen to your child, your young person in your care, and to try their best to understand from that perspective. The other thing that I think is really important for parents is to give choices. Often we see young people um, aren't quite ready for the support and just be able to say, look, we could talk to the school counsellor or we could talk to a GP and just give people some options around that. And also to seek your own supports if you feel like you need that again just like young people parents often think they're the only ones going through this they're often feared that they're going to be judged that um, their child is going through this situation so just remembering that there are other people who've experienced that and to get help for yourself if you need that too.
1: That's so true that's so important I think that when you're caring for someone you need someone to look after you too. Carly thank you very much for the work you do and, and thanks for your time today appreciate you joining us on the podcast.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Our youth health worker Stephanie Mora was at Auburn Youth Centre and Western Sydney Local Health District Youth Health Services asking people what together more than ever means to them and what cheers them up when they're feeling down. Let's hear what they had to say.
0: With COVID
2: we've come to realise what we have and we've come to appreciate it more and with the restrictions finally easing up we are finally able to actually show the people we love our appreciation for them and we're going to have to come together
0: to really build our relationships back up and what helps me when I'm feeling down I'd say music and musicals I also really enjoy writing when I'm down because it helps me actually get my feelings
2: out and be able to process them.
1: Together more than ever means we're going through hard times and we get closer what helps you when you are feeling down music and friends. When I'm feeling down, I like to
0: listen to music, I play video games and sports, especially soccer. Together, more than ever, to me, means being together as a family or a team.
1: How great was that to hear? Thank you, Stephanie, for bringing that to us. Uh, Music is definitely a universal language. Uh, It's so great to hear that that resonated with so many young people. Finally, joining me is our last guest on the podcast today, a member of our Youth Council, 23-year-old Jessica Lamb. Jess is a pharmacist at the Children's Hospital at Westmead, and she gives her time to represent the voice of young people in health discussions and projects that affect them in Western Sydney. For Youth Week, we're talking all about youth mental health, and so I wanted to know from your perspective, you know, what are some of the common mental health concerns for young people in Western Sydney?
0: I think that with Western Sydney, a lot of it, kind of varies with mental health it's such a broad spectrum with mental health i guess in a lot of youth you often see mental health issues like depression anxiety suicidal ideation um and I think there's a lot that comes into play with it. obviously environmental factors like how they live at home, potentially school. And a big factor could also be social media because basically everyone's on their phones and their laptops these days. So what we see on our screens can also affect how we feel emotionally and impact how we act with others as well. So I think those ones are definitely one of the main mental health issues that we've seen
1: social media was a big topic that came up in our discussion with the psychiatrist Carly Dodds. From your perspective, you know, you're the generation that grew up with social media. You almost haven't experienced life as a young person without it, do you feel it's overall a positive or a negative for young people in their mental health, particularly in, in light of COVID, I guess?
0: I think it really depends on how we kind of approach social media. I think there's two spectrums to it. So with COVID, social media was great because we couldn't see our friends in person and we couldn't see our family as well. So having social media was a good way to just touch base to see what people are doing and chat to them through direct messages and things like that, or even Skyping as well. I guess there's a down Downside to social media where if you're kind of in a state of anxiety or you feel a bit depressed you might start looking up things that are related to anxiety and depression and because of the social media algorithm they'll start to feed through ads and they'll start to feed through content that relates to what you're looking at and it could lead them down a rabbit hole which is the downside to social media.
1: Do you have any tips that you yourself utilize with that? Do you maybe like limit your time on social media or?
0: I think I sometimes have um, a detox period. I think sometimes <laughs> When you're just always on your phone every day. When for me, when I come home from work, I'm on my phone. If I wake up, the first thing I check is my phone, <laughs> so I think sometimes I just need to step back a little bit. Stepping back from your phone really just gives you a chance to see what's around you and talk to people around you. Especially for me, I find that having that face to face engagement with my friends is really important for my mental health and being in the moment. So when I go and hang out with a group of my friends, I'll often not use my phone at all and not use social media.
1: Yeah, because I can see definitely how social media um, is a real connecting point for people, especially last Mm. year when we couldn't be together face-to-face. But when you're actually with people, it can be a real distraction and a barrier, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think, like, for example, if you're on the dinner table and you're just on your phone and you're not talking to your parents, you're not talking to your siblings or family or friends, sometimes can initiate kind of a bad stigma in terms of your parents might say, why are you always on your phone? How come you're not talking to us? So I think technology and social media can sometimes take over our lives a little bit and it's good to just step back.
1: Yeah, maybe there is a little bit of truth to those cliches sometimes or at least you don't want to feed into them. (laughs) Yeah. When we're talking about mental health, often parents and older people might not really know what to say and and how to talk about it. From your Mm -hmm. experience, you know what are maybe some of the helpful or perhaps some of the unhelpful things that you've heard that people have said or done in this aspect?
0: I think with parents and older people, Definitely a helpful thing is just being open-minded and sitting down and having a conversation. It doesn't have to be a fully in-depth conversation, but just asking like sometimes how's school going or how are you and just touching base with them, not trying to push too much and ask the sensitive questions just yet, just seeing how they're going. I think that's really helpful. In terms of unhelpful things parents have done, I guess if they notice there's an issue, like for example, if you're feeling sad, If my parents were to ask me time and time again why are you feeling sad how come you're feeling sad then i think because they're pressing on the issue a lot of young people will kind of shy away and back off and don't really feel like they want to answer that question Mm. so i think just having a more open conversation that's more relaxed and more calm and they don't feel like they're judged because i think a lot of the times we feel that if we have a mental health issue It's something that the older generation may have not dealt with in the past. And we might feel that they don't understand how we feel.
1: So it sounds like a lot of the time it's really just about having an open mind and recognizing that Mm. other people have had different experiences and there's new understanding of mental health these days. And we Mm -hmm. need to maybe let go of some old ideas and do a bit of research and education.
0: I think each person has their own struggle. Whether it's whether it's something small or something big, each person faces their own struggle. And I think we just want to let the older generation know or the parents or uncles and aunties know that like it might not be a big situation to them. But to me, it's a big situation and that this is how it's impacting my life Mm. and just kind of sharing that.
1: Absolutely. So not dismissing it or trying to downplay it and say it's not that bad, but acknowledging that the theme for Youth Week this year is together more than ever, which is just so applicable for us still living in a pandemic but I mean starting to see the light on the other side what does that theme mean to you as a young person?
0: I think together more than ever it just means everyone coming in kind of chipping in what they can do I think it's really just taking the time to get to know like get to interact with each other again because COVID is getting better and there is less restrictions I guess it's a good time for us to come together and meet here and there. I think it's just finding ways that we can help each other. Thanks for joining us
1: on the podcast today, Jess. Good to have you back.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks. Thanks for listening to Western Sydney Health Check. This podcast is brought to you by Western Sydney Local Health District. For the latest health news, visit us at thepulse.org.au.